welcome to episode 144 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, one of the best feelings after a long day of hiking is that moment when you unlace your boots and toss them next to your pack. But have you ever thought about ditching your boots altogether? We'll share some benefits of lightening up and going more minimalist with your footwear, maybe even barefoot. Then we'll review a pair of shoes from Vibram that will practically gift wrap your feet in Japanese wrapping cloth. Next, we'll help you crack the code on how to find long, winding trails. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. If you've never heard of barefoot hiking before, it may sound like kind of a hippy-dippy thing to do, like something that was super popular back in the 60s when everyone wore those flowy dresses and the, you know, the flower headbands and those kind of colored glasses and people lived in the forest i guess yeah in communes right that's what hippies did (laughs) and barefoot hiking can seem even weirder when you think well i'm gonna be out in the forest in the wilderness on these rough trails there's all kinds of hazards out there for my feet how could i possibly go barefoot out there i mean it's one thing to go barefoot on the carpet in my own home but on a trail And barefoot hiking is something that we've kind of experimented with over the last year or so. And some of the questions at first were, what's the appeal? You know, the forest is such a sharp, pointy, dangerous place. Why even go without shoes? Or why choose to wear barefoot shoes, which are just, you know, a thin piece of rubber underneath your feet? Who does this? And how would you even prepare for something like this? Well, first of all, let's define barefoot. Barefoot hiking. Does it mean hiking without shoes, like literally barefooted? Well, it could mean that, but you can also buy barefoot shoes, which seems like an oxymoron. Totally, yeah. So when we say barefoot hiking or barefoot backpacking, well, one of the possibilities is that you're actually hiking with nothing on your feet, literally barefoot. But the other is that you could be wearing shoes, but these are called barefoot shoes. And they're called barefoot shoes because all they do is provide a little layer of protection from the pokey stuff, and that's it. So it's really like just adding an extra, like a thick extra layer of skin on your feet, nothing more. So I think at this point already, we may have lost some listeners who are now thinking in their minds, well, what about injury? What about disease? What about things like ringworm? Um, What about my tender, uncalloused foot? What about cold? What about just gross stuff getting in between my toes? Like, this may sound like something that is completely unappealing to some people. Like, they can't even figure out why you would want to do this. Well, if we have lost you, come back. Come back for just a half hour (laughs) and let's see what we can do. And we're not trying to convince anyone, but I think it's always great to approach backpacking with an open mind because there are a billion different ways to approach backpacking. There are lots of different things that you can incorporate into your hike. Everyone has their own way of making it a meaningful experience. 
And this is just one more way that you can, I guess, get more from the experience while practicing a little bit of risk. And a little bit later in our top five list today, we will be talking about the benefits of barefoot hiking. And I think right here, I want to sneak in a little benefit that didn't make it into the top five list, but it's a leave no trace benefit that I found on barefooters.org. And they said, hiking barefoot causes virtually no trail erosion as a barefoot makes much less of an imprint than a booted foot, offering an environmentally sound choice for hiking. So there you go. If that isn't the hippy-dippiest reason to go barefoot. (laughs) But, you know, you do have the option of going completely barefoot. And like Josh said, there are shoes that are very minimalist that you can find that will still give you that um, that really flexible foot that will allow you to feel the forest floor without feeling every little thing on the forest floor. And the fact that this list of shoes is growing illustrates that people really are seeking a more tactile experience when they're outdoors. Merrill has a minimalist shoe. It's the Merrill Vapor 2. Zero Shoes is a brand of shoe that we've talked about a lot on the show. Uh, The Vibram Five Fingers. Vibram also makes another shoe called the Furoshiki, which we'll be reviewing in our Summit Gear Review today. Uh, Vivo Barefoot is another brand that has minimalist shoes. And then there's always just Aqua Socks, those cheap water shoes that drain really quickly. Those work equally well as barefoot hiking shoes. And if you're interested in transitioning to barefoot running or barefoot hiking, Katie Bowman, who we featured in a recent episode, she has a book called Whole Body Barefoot, which will take you step by step through the process of transitioning your foot from being a caged lion to being a free range chicken. That didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. But oh, you want your foot to be free to move, to feel and experience everything that's out there. And by being cast up in a shoe, you're missing a lot of the outdoor experience. So she walks you through exercises and things that you can do to kind of loosen up your foot, get it prepared to experience the forest floor or barefoot running, whatever whatever your end goal is. And if you're one of those people that just likes to dive into something new and you don't want to listen to anyone, you just want to try it, then you will love this quote. It's from barefooters.org. And they said, feet were made for walking. That's what they do. If they're not used to walking on certain surfaces, they will soon adapt with practice. So if you just want to dive in and take your first barefoot hike, do it. Just get out there. Maybe it's going to be a hundred feet long before you're putting your shoes back on. But the more you do it, your feet will adapt with practice. They will toughen up and you'll be taking longer hikes barefoot. So we have some links in today's show notes that give you some resources that you can look at if you want to get into barefoot hiking. Today's show notes are at thefirst40miles.com slash 144. You could also dive back into the archives. It'd be kind of fun to go all the way back to episode 27, where our top five list consisted of five things that we would like to try on a future backpacking trip. (laughs) Remember what one of those things was? Hike barefoot. Yeah. (laughs) We thought... Wow, probably nobody does it, but we got to try it. Right. 
right. And it was back then that we started to get this sort of glimpse into the fact that there's a whole community of people who hike either barefoot or more often is the case that they hike with barefoot shoes or minimalist shoes on. And now I'd say most of our hiking, Mm -hmm. most of our backpacking is done with minimalist shoes on our feet. We have really made that switch. And there are some rare times where we'll put on the heavy hiking shoes. Also, back in the archives, episode 95 is the episode where we reviewed zero shoes in the Summit Gear Review. Oh, and of course, episode 136, just a couple months ago, that's the episode where we talked about Katie Bowman and her books. And anyway, that's a great one to check out also uh, to get ready for barefoot hiking. Or just human living. My goodness, she has so much great information about mobility and just being active in life. One other thing I wanted to mention before we jump into our top five list is if you're interested in barefoot hiking, but super reluctant, you know, you're not going to dive into it like some other people are, maybe start with sand. That's what our daughter did on one of our backpacking trips. There was a big stretch of the trail that was very sandy. And she just took her shoes off and hiked in the sand. So it was soft, warm, comfortable. And she got to feel the sand in between her toes. It was just an extremely sensory rich experience without much risk. So if you want to try barefoot hiking, sand is a nice entry level surface. So for today's top five list, we want to share with you the top five benefits of going barefoot or wearing barefoot shoes. And the number one benefit of going barefoot is that it is a full earth experience. If dirty doesn't matter, then it's really fun to feel the earth beneath your feet, even if it's just for a part of the trail. Think about how many textures are on the trail that you're missing out on by having shoes on the entire time. There's that soft, squishy moss. There's that fine dirt. There's luscious mud, there's kind of prickly soft grass, smooth sand, cool streams. There's even rough kind of uh, painful gravel and snow patches in some cases. Exposing your feet to all of those textures and feelings is a luxury that we really rarely afford ourselves. However, it is a luxury that we have to earn. So spending that time outside of your shoes, spending time on rough, uneven surfaces, that can go a long way toward kind of toughening up your feet, even if you just choose to hike for short stretches on the trail. Uh, That trip you were talking about where our daughter hiked barefoot, is that the trip from last summer? Three Mile Lake? Yeah, Three Mile Lake. Yes. I think a couple of the other kids went barefoot as well. And because of the sandiness of the trail, you were actually better off barefoot, or at least in sandals. Those who were wearing shoes, whenever we went through a really sandy patch, they'd have to stop at the other side of the sandy (laughs) patch and dump out like a, you know, a cup of sand from each of their shoes before they could move on. But if you were barefoot, it was wonderful. And I think once we got to camp, if I remember right, pretty much all of us just took off our shoes. and We just went barefoot for two days. Full disclosure here, we did take a hike where we attempted barefoot hiking, and it was a fail. Yeah, I was going to mention that one too. (laughs) Yeah. It was when we went to the Tillamook Head. Uh, What did we call that hike? The Tillamook Head hike? I think I called it something else. Uh, It was in Ecola State Park. Yes, that's the one. Mm -hmm. Yep. So 
we thought, oh, there's all this mud. Let's take off our shoes and just hike straight through the mud because it was massive mud pits, very frequent mud pits. And so we actually used our nine-year-old son as kind of the guinea pig. <laughs> right. We didn't take our shoes off. <laughs> we, said, we suggested that he do it. Right. Why don't you take your shoes off and try hiking? Anyway, so we helped him take his shoes off and he hiked a few steps and he said, oh, it is cold mud. And I do not want to do this. So we helped him wipe his feet off, clean them off, and get his socks and shoes back on. I don't know if it was much better wearing shoes, but it did keep our feet somewhat insulated to have shoes on. Yeah, just in case someone gets the mistaken idea that we always hike barefoot or with minimalist shoes, there are some times where it's more appropriate to put on a thicker shoe. And that Tillamook head hike was one of those times. It was muddy. And uh, instead of bringing my zero shoes, which I almost always bring on a backpacking trip, I brought my Anu hiking shoes that had thicker soles. They're definitely a traditional uh, hiking shoe, much stiffer, but also thicker and more material around my feet. Well, when you're slogging through the mud, cold mud in early spring, that was better to be in those shoes. Still, my zero shoes were in my backpack and they came out as soon as we got to camp where things were drier. I just thought of another time where you may not want a full earth experience. When we were in the deserts of New Mexico, I opted for a more full coverage shoe because I didn't really want to come in contact with any uh, rattling reptiles or <laughs> friendly cactuses. So if a full earth experience is what you're looking for, Barefoot can give that to you. Just make sure you want what the earth has to offer to you. The second benefit of going barefoot is that barefoot hiking is a full body experience. From the top of your head all the way down to the tips of your toes, Every muscle and joint in between will be responding to the information that's received from your feet. Your brain will kind of kick into high gear. Your eyes will be watching for good places to step. Your brain will be processing the information from the feet. And the rest of your body will be rolling, pitching, and yawing to ensure that you stay upright and balanced. And because you're getting more information from the ground through your feet, your balance, stability, and posture should improve. When we were first thinking about trying to go barefoot or with minimalist shoes, I think my first concern that I had was, well, okay, I can see maybe going barefoot or minimalist with nothing on my back, but really with 30 or 40 pounds in my pack? I mean, that extra 30 or 40 pounds on, on the bottom of my feet pressing down, surely that's just not going to work. And yet it did. It's kind of hard to explain. You would think all that extra weight on your back is really going to put a lot of extra stress on your feet. But I remember the first time I tried it for an extended period of time. It was our trip to the Redwoods a couple of years ago in the fall. And it was sort of a rainy, wet day. And I said, well, instead of getting my shoes and socks wet, I'll just put on my zero shoes sandals. And then if my feet get wet, they'll just dry out a few minutes later. No big deal. And I hiked the entire day with a full pack with just sandals on. And by the end of the day, I was like, wow, I guess I can't really explain it, but I'm fine. <laughs> it worked just fine. And it's interesting that you mentioned that experience in the full body experience benefit of going barefoot, because you would think that having the fully encased foot, you know, with the heavy lugs on the shoes and the ankle support would support your 
body better, but in some ways having minimalist shoes, it forces your body to respond and take some of the, uh, I guess some of the weight off of your feet and allows you to kind of respond in other ways in your body. Yeah, or it allows your body to respond. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your body would naturally do this stuff. Shoes are an invention. Your body is already naturally built for walking without shoes. And then we've somehow in society come to this point where we believe that our body is incapable of walking without shoes. It's just kind of funny when you think about it that way. But it, maybe it's related to benefit number three. Uh, benefit number three of hiking barefoot or with minimalist shoes is that there's less weight on your feet. That might seem like, well, not a big deal. I mean, okay, I have a pair of hiking shoes, they weigh a pound. I go to minimalist shoes and they weigh seven ounces. So big deal, I saved nine ounces. But a pound on your feet is equivalent to five pounds somewhere else on your body. That's huge. Well, think about it this way. Say you were carrying something that's a pound, like, uh, I don't know, a camera, and you stick it in your backpack. Okay, so that's an extra pound on your backpack. Well, now imagine if you were to take that camera and you were going to strap it to one of your feet. So it's an extra pound on the foot. Well, I think we can figure out that that's going to feel way different, right? We would much rather have the pound of camera in the backpack than on the foot. And that's what the science says, too. The science says that weight on your feet has a larger impact than the same amount of weight in your backpack. So I think now is a good time to talk about flip-flops, because if you look at what makes a shoe minimalist, it seems like flip-flops would be the perfect thing to take hiking because they're lightweight, they're thin, they're easy to put on and off, they're flexible, they match a lot of the minimalist hiking shoe rules, things that should be a part of a minimalist shoe, but they're missing one important thing. And that is there's no way to attach the flip-flop onto the back of your foot. So what your foot does to compensate for having that loose shoe is that it scrunches up. And maybe you can feel this when you walk in flip-flops, that your toes kind of grab the shoe. They're trying to hold on to it because they can feel the shoe falling off. And what happens when you do that over and over and over as you walk and your foot keeps contracting is you start to develop tension in your shin, lots of friction and lots of pressure where there shouldn't be tension, friction, and pressure. So that can lead to corns, calluses, and just an unnatural stride and an unnatural movement in your foot. So if you're really, really set on wearing flip-flops, if you love how they feel or have a favorite pair, maybe find some way to attach it onto the back of your foot so you're not doing that toe-grabby thing that we all do when we wear flip-flops. So it's great that minimalist shoes uh, can reduce the weight on your feet, but remember to use shoes that are fully attached to your foot. The number four benefit of going barefoot is that barefoot out in nature is rejuvenating. There is something magical that happens when we connect directly with nature. And it's rejuvenating, it's exhilarating, and it's so sensory rich. There are even studies that claim that walking directly on the Earth's surface does something electrical to us. And they call it earthing or grounding. When I first found out about it, I thought, oh my goodness, this is hippy-dippy. 
And there's no way I'm sharing this on the first 40 miles. But then I came across this website that had a .gov. And <laughs> I was like, well, I'll just put it out there and share it. And if the earth is electrical and it's good for us, then people can read about it. So we have the link to this government website <laughs> that has information on earthing and grounding. So if you're interested, we'll have the link in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 144. It doesn't even really matter if, if you believe in earthing or grounding, or it doesn't even matter what it's called. There are just some sensations on earth that are made for the feet to experience, like we talked about, the warm sand or squishy cool mud or that feeling of moss under your feet or stepping on smooth river stones or a pile of matted pine needles. This is stuff that you would never get to experience if you kept your wool socks and hiking boots on 24-7. One of my favorite, most vivid memories happened five summers ago. We were thinking about moving to the state of Oregon, and so we took a family trip here, and uh, one of those days we headed out to the coast. We got to the beach. I think the tide was kind of out, and you could just see for miles this super smooth, moist sand. Oh, I just used the word moist. Oh, it's going to be an editing nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on, and I just got the urge to run. I took off my shoes. And I just took off down the beach. There was just something so exhilarating about it to just run for miles. Nothing in the way, just sand in front of me. It felt amazing. And the number five benefit of going barefoot or wearing barefoot shoes is that barefoot hiking can strengthen your feet. Most shoes, whether you realize it or not, have some kind of heel lift something that kind of tilts your whole posture forward or makes your body compensate in different ways by changing the way that you would naturally stand or naturally walk. Barefoot shoes will not have a heel rise. They'll be flat and they'll allow you to develop a more natural gait, which naturally strengthens your foot muscles, ligaments, and tendons, and there's nothing for your body to compensate for. Standing and walking without that raised heel is the way that we are supposed to be. The raised heel in most shoes has another effect on you, along with all the extra padding that's in the shoe. When you run or even walk, you tend to strike first with your heel. It just makes sense if the heel has more stuff under it, then that part of the shoe is likely to hit the ground first. And so you do this heel strike and then kind of roll forward on your foot. That heel strike is like putting on the brakes with every step that you take. Not only putting on the brakes, but sending the shock up through your entire body, especially to your knees and hips. With minimalist shoes or when running barefoot or, or hiking barefoot, you'll find yourself making either just a flat-footed strike where your entire foot strikes at once and your arch flexes as a shock absorber, or you'll do a toe strike and your entire foot is acting as a shock absorber or a spring. So rather than putting on the brakes with every step, you've got a spring a in your step. A spring in your step. I love it. And if you're a runner, you may have tried running with minimalist shoes and had a really bad experience. Part of that is because of the surfaces that we are exposed to in our modern society. They're all flat and hard. 
So if you try minimalist running out in the forest, you're going to have a completely different experience because not only is the forest floor softer, but it's more varied and you have natural places to move instead of just that kind of mechanical pounding that's going to happen to your body if you run out on asphalt or concrete. So we've talked about the five benefits of going barefoot. It's a full earth experience. It's a full body experience. It's less weight than your traditional hiking boots. It's rejuvenating and can give you the opportunity to strengthen your feet and your whole body. But at worst, (laughs) barefoot hiking could give you some tender soles and maybe some cuts, maybe some punctures, maybe some bruising maybe some parasites, but probably not. If you look at all the benefits, it's a fairly low risk way to intensify your trail time, have a completely unique and enriching experience as you connect directly with the Earth's surface. For today's Summit Gear Review, we wanted to share the Vibram Furoshiki Wrap Shoes. If you don't know what Furoshikis are or what a furoshiki is, it's what Japanese people use to wrap up their stuff. It's just a big piece of cloth and they use it to wrap their lunches. They use it to wrap gifts. It's just beautiful. And Vibram took this concept and they applied it to shoes. And so they've taken beautiful fabrics along with the strength and the grippiness of a Vibram sole. So the fabric on the Vibram Furoshiki wrap shoes is a stretchy material which has some ribbing on it to give a little bit of structure and design. And then it has tabs that allow you to wrap each side of the shoe across the other side and attach it with Velcro. So there are no laces on this shoe. It's just a really simple, elegant shoe. The sole itself is a low density Vibram outsole. So it's extra lightweight. As far as utility goes, your foot will be completely covered. So there's no place for rocks and grit to get in. These are great water shoes. They're great hiking shoes. They're great camp shoes. They're just really lightweight, but you get that full coverage and the protection also of the Vibram sole. For mass, they weigh nine ounces or 256 grams. And for maintenance, you'll just want to hand wash and air dry. For investment, These shoes are $110. So as far as fit goes, I think it's important to note that these run a little bit small in my experience. I think I probably should have ordered a size larger, but they still fit and they're still really adjustable. Uh, If they feel a little too tight, all you have to do is undo the Velcro and adjust it and you'll get a little bit looser fit along the top of the shoe. There's no way to adjust the length of the shoe, but um, the whole idea behind the Vibram Furoshiki was to create a shoe that was very adjustable and that would fit lots of ranges of shoe sizes. So I think they did a really good job that way. Just make sure you get the length right. And then the rest of the part, you know, the width and the kind of the bulk of your foot should be able to be compensated for by the Velcro and the stretchy wrap. The Furoshikis also come with their own little carry bag, so you can just roll them up. They're very portable shoes, so you don't have to wear them the whole time on the trail. You could just stash them in your pack and take them out if you're doing a river crossing or if you just want to wear them in camp. Just a heads up to the fashion conscious. They look different 
from most shoes. They don't have the laces. They don't have the big lugs and the leather outside. But I think in general, most backpackers are pretty much over the looking weird thing. We're okay with wearing bandanas on our heads and having things hanging off of us. It's not a big deal. So this isn't something you'd wear to a dinner party, but it's something that would be really cool on the trail and would look different from what everyone else is wearing. So they're super lightweight. They roll up really easily. They're easy to stash, very comfortable. And if you're interested in learning more about the Furoshikis, we will have the link in today's show notes. And that's at thefirst40miles.com slash 144. For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, we want to share something with you today that is an incredible resource if you're looking to hike for a long, long time, but you don't happen to live on the East Coast and you don't happen to live on the West Coast and you're just wondering, what are my options? If I don't have the AT or the PCT and I just want to hike for days, where do I go? So if you're looking for a really nice long trail to wander along, Wikipedia has a page called Long Distance Trails in the United States. And these are all sorted by state. So you can look up a trail that's close to you, start at the beginning, hike it to the end, or maybe kind of jump in somewhere in between and discover some of these long distance trails in the United States. And some of them are incredibly historic. And so it may pay to take some time before you go out on these trails, learn a little bit about the history in your area, or why the trail is named what it's named. One of the trails that we covered from this list uh, was the Batona Trail out in New Jersey, and that had a really interesting history and a really interesting reason for the name of the trail. The Batona Trail is short for Back to Nature clever. (laughs) I love it. Pink blazes. Pink blazes. So anyway, if you're looking for a long distance trail, we will have the link to that wiki page in today's show notes as well. And we'll leave you today with some trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Khalil Gibran. He said, forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet and the winds long to play with your hair. That's so sweet. I love it. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, barefoot or not, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Vibram Furoshikis? Vibre. Vibram... Furoshiki. Furoshiki. Well, one other thing I wanted to point out before we wrap up. <clears throat> um, one other... Let's see. One other thing I want... <laughs> I'm just, uh, just so excited. I'm talking so fast. Yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> we love this stuff. <laughs> When I don't know what to say next, I drink water. <laughs> it's my stall I see. tactic. Okay. <laughs>